0: also like to welcome those who are joining us on live gate outreach tv and those who are listening to this by audio podcasts in itunes and our other audio formats may the lord continue to enrich you mightily also thank you for the testimonies you send we are truly grateful and are encouraged by the way the word of god is reaching you right where you are we are such a blessed generation to be able to reach so many people At the same time, from very, very little places. And we are truly grateful that God is giving us this privilege. And we pray that the Lord will continue to expand your horizons also where you are, in the mighty name of Jesus. We have been on a series of accessing divine help right from the beginning of this month. And uh, we come to the end of that series at this point. On the things that God has laid on our hearts, on my hearts to share with you. And we have looked at several things that help us indeed to access divine help. We looked at thanksgiving and praise. We looked at the place of fasting and praying. We looked at the place of humility last Sunday. And today by the grace of God, we are looking at the place of obedience. Amen we're looking at the place of obedience for divine help. So the title of today's message is Living in Obedience for Divine Help. Living in Obedience for Divine Help. We have explained many times what divine help is. Help is just simply a facilitation, making something possible, assistance. But when we talk about divine help, we are specifically talking about help orchestrated by God. Many times that help comes directly by God, but in a lot of cases, he walks through humans and through systems. I have enjoyed divine help all my life. I still enjoy it on a regular basis. There are people and things and uh, systems and things that God calls to work for me, and I am truly grateful. I can tell you firsthand that God truly helps. God truly makes possible things that are seemingly impossible. And so I want us to understand that what God wants to do in our lives this year is beyond what we can imagine. When God helps a person, they accomplish things that they naturally could not have been able to accomplish. (laughs) When God helped the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea, There is no way, I I know a lot by the grace of God, I know a few things about engineering and how, you know, water systems and river systems work and how we can dam river systems and use them for other things. But, you know, there is no engineering scientific explanation till date. People have tried, they have modeled things and tried to explain because they know it happened. History has it that it happens. Archaeologists agree that it happened. But the reality is that no science can explain how the Red Sea parted hither and thither. Hallelujah. I like King James English. He said it parted hither and thither. That is the only way to see it. So science says how can hither and thither happen? That is called divine help. A man lifts up a rod and a sea parts into two, and the people do not grow on marshy land, they went on dry land. It remains a mystery and it will remain a mystery forever. One of the first questions I want to ask Moses when we get to heaven is How did it feel? How did it feel to stand before a river and have to walk across a dry seabed? How did it feel? Describe it to me because our brains cannot comprehend it. But you experienced it. It's going to be so glorious. I want to ask David how you used just one stone to hit a giant on the head. And it falls to the ground and you rushed at him and you caught his head. Before 40,000 people. How did it feel? I have those questions. I don't know whether there will be a chance to ask them, but I have them anyways. Hallelujah. But when we talk about divine help, I want you to detach yourself from the things that you know make things work. Don't limit God. Pastor Moses shared something with us at Occupy yesterday during his session. He said God can only do to the extent to which you are willing, willing to believe, willing to act, willing to trust. God can only do to that extent. So don't limit God. We're talking about divine help. And he has given us some keys to know how to access that help. By the grace of God, as we look at obedience today, I want us to engage from the place of seeing how obedience truly helps us to enjoy divine help. When we talk about obedience, dictionary defines it as compliance with an order, a request, or law. It is also about submission to authority. Obedience has to do with compliance, say compliance, Compliance. and submission. submission. Those are the two things. So when there is a law or a set of rules that you are meant to follow when you comply, then you are deemed to have obeyed. When there is a command and um, you are asked to do something and then you do that thing in submission, then you you are described to have obeyed. Usually, obedience leads either to a reward or to some kind of non-consequential punishment. If you obey a law, you avoid a punishment. But we also know that if you obey a certain command, if you obey a certain instruction, many times you are also rewarded for it. Anyone who does business or anyone who works for an organization or works for themselves know that when you obey the law of work, reward is meant to follow. That is why you have every confidence in your employer that at the end of the month, because you have fulfilled your obligations to work contractually, you know and expect that they ought to fulfill theirs by paying you your wages. So you have obeyed in the place of doing the work and they reward you for that. In the light of scriptural provisions, obedience is one of the most significant requirements for accessing divine help. We read the story of Naaman today, a man who was a very great general in the land of Syria. He was loved by the king because, you know, every king likes an achieving general. In the days of true kings and the kings that we read of in scripture, their kingdom and their kingship was defined by the wars they won. That was what made you a king, a strong king the more you can conquer. And at this point in time, God gave Syria favor over Israel because God intentionally at times turns the table around against his own children to just let them understand that they need to fall back in line. So Syria was enjoying this swathe of victorious conquests everywhere they went because God was helping them to actually take control of their territories. And so, this king at this point in time was a very powerful king and he had this general. The story has it that uh, the very famo- famous uh, late president of the United States, in the person of Abraham Lincoln, who supervised and uh, w- w- sort of supervised the Civil War in, in America when the North was trying to secede, when the South was trying to secede from the North, uh, had a general a general who he trusted so much called Ulysses Grant. Ulysses Grant was a very famous general in his time, and he won many battles and helped the federal troops to win, ultimately to keep the union together. So Ulysses Grant was a very popular general. But you know something? When Abraham Lincoln died, Ulysses Grant was so popular as a general that he thought his popularity could make him a successful president. And even many people thought so as well. This is a little digression, but it just came to me, this story. And Ulysses Grant ran for presidency the first time. He didn't win. The second time he won. And in four years he performed so woefully that they, they, they virtually hounded him out of office. Why am I trying to say this? Ulysses Grant's story is a little bit like that of Neyman. Trusted. Strong, achieving, loved by his president. But you see, somehow there was a degree of pride in Ulysses Grant's mind, as we will see in the case of Naaman. Naaman was a man who had all these accolades, but he was also a leper. The Bible says he was strong, he was powerful, but he was also a leper. Just to emphasize it. And in one of those raids that he went to raid Israel, they captured a young girl. From one of the Israeli families and they brought her to be Naaman's wife's maid. And this girl knew that there was a prophet in Israel. Somebody say a prophet. You know there are prophets and a prophet. Okay, Elisha was a prophet. I'm sure there were many prophets at that time. But this girl knew that there was a prophet. That this one prophet, if you can get to him, this leprosy will definitely vanish. So the Jewish, we read that story, so I'm not going over it again in us reading it. But this girl came and advised her mistress, who she was directly responsible to. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 3 together. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 3. Let's read together. One, two, go. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria... For he would heal him of his leprosy. He said, all you need to do is to advise your husband, my master, to go and see this prophet. Now, Naaman was almost going to be hindered from his deliverance based on three things that I would like us to watch. These are barriers to obedience. The servant of God eventually met up with Naaman. But Naaman was almost going to miss it. He was almost going to return to Syria a leper. If you read the story very well. Let's go straight to verse 9. The first thing I'd like us to look at is the barrier of pride and arrogance. Somebody say pride and arrogance. arrogance. Verse 9. Let's read together. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 9. Then Naaman went With his horses and chariots. And he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. Saying go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And your flesh shall be restored to you. And you shall be clean. Verse 11. But Naaman became what? Furious. And did what? Somebody said he went away. away. Say he went went away. And said what? Indeed I said to myself. He will surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. And wave his hand over this place. And heal the leprosy. Can you imagine that? A man who needs help. Who has been told how he will get the help, now has been given the instruction of how to get the help and he is reinventing the instruction. Is that not the peak of foolishness? Born out of pride and arrogance. You see, the air of arrogance is seeing oneself beyond who they are. That is why I was reminded of the story of Ulysses Grant. Ulysses Grant obviously felt because he was a good general who was winning battles in the time of the Civil War, could run for presidency and make a good president. But what we don't usually understand and what humans don't understand is that when you are helped by God, can you please go back to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1? I want to show you something that you might have been skipping over. What you, an arrogant person does not understand is that arrogance comes when we deny the existence of the source of whatever it is we are being arrogant about. Whether it is a simple thing as beauty, natural beauty, whether it is a skill, whether it is money, whether it is a position, everything we have has come from God. Praise the Lord. Every good, James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift has come down from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. He is the supplier of good. Anything you see good has God. Any time you see anything good, it has God. Look at Naaman. Why was Naaman puffed up? He was the toughest general in the region. He was a battle-winning general, even though he was a leper. But look at verse 1 very well. And then you will understand the foolishness of Naaman that almost cost him his healing. Let's read verse 1 together. Now, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, great and honorable man, in the eyes of his master. Now read this next phrase very loud and clear. Because by him. The Lord has given victory Syria. Read from because again and shout it. Because. because him, who gives him victory? The Lord. Who gives him victory? The Lord. But he forgot completely. He started to see himself as the one who gets the victory. The Bible says, by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. And God made him a mighty man of valor, even though he was a leper. Friends, you and I remain humble and submissive to the, to the, to the grace for obedience as long as we keep remembering that whatever we are and whoever we are, we have only been helped by God. That is why when the servant of God said to Naaman, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, Naaman beca- began to express his arrogance and pride by saying, go back to verse 11, please. I thought that he would come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord is God. Because I've got class. Somebody say I've got class. Class. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't take baths in, in, in River Jordan. How can I go to River Jordan? i got class. I want him to come out and just wave his hand and wave his hand, and I get healed. <laughs> I was watching the story of Titanic, my wife and I, many years ago, when the film was just released. The story of Titanic, everybody knows the great ship that sank, 1912? And people were being rescued with some dinghy boats to just save them. And they asked people to come out. They said, ladies first and, and children. They just, because that's a good thing to do in an emergency. And this lady comes out and says, is it according to class? <laughs> the ship is about to sink. Get on the safe boat. Is it according to class? Are we going, because we're in first class, you see. First class that they chased her out from has been flooded. She was about to die and she's still asking if it's according to class. I don't know whether the the, the producers just put that in to show foolishness at times. But if that truly happened, it is the most pathetic woman I've ever seen on earth. She is just something else. Is it according to class? Oh, goodness. So Naaman thought he had class. He said, I thought. If he knew all that, why didn't he do this before now? Then verse 12. The second thing we need to avoid is carnality. Very close to pride is carnality. This, I define, I separate carnality from pride and arrogance because you see, I want to encapsulate carnality in seeing things only from the realm of the physical. Lack of spiritual insight. The servant of God said, go and wash in the river Jordan seven times. In verse 12, the Bible says he began to say this. Let's read together. Are not the Abana and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Carnality drives people away from their very point of deliverance. When you cannot connect, the Bible says, deep calls to the deep. When you are in the surface and you are are only constrained by what you see in the physical, you are usually putting a barrier between you and the miracle God has in store for you. This man, only the mercy of God kept him because he turned and went away in a rage. Thank God for the maidservant servant that quickly intervened again. He began to look at the physical state of what he deemed were better rivers. This is the same thing we do today when we are carnal. With our relationships. Carnal with the things God has given to us. Carnal with the the, the job that we have. Carnal with our spouses. In terms of looking from the eye of the spirit. You must look beyond the physical. In order to get the benefit of what God has already orchestrated. This man was given an instruction. Go to a specific river. It is called River Jordan. And dip seven times. And he began... We know that this was exactly what happened to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. When he told him, go and do everything, this man came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Somebody said he needed divine help. He was a wealthy man, but he lacked a lot of things in his life. And he felt, I need eternal life. I need help. But you know something? When he came to Jesus, Jesus said, you know the commandments, go and fulfill them. He said, I have kept all this since I was a child. Verse 21, now, Jesus looked at him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross and do what? Follow me. Verse 22, again like Naaman, the Bible says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had what? Great possessions. He had too much affiliation to the physical. Carnality was ruling his life. Even though he wanted a spiritual turnaround. Carnality hinders anyone from achieving anything truly spiritual. And when we talk about divine help, we are talking about achieving true spiritual interventions. I want every one of us to understand. Many times, the interventions of God do not usually appear in the packages we expect. I'm sure you have heard that from me many times. This was how River Jordan was not looking like it for Naaman. And you and I must understand that whatever God wants to use to transform your life, you you and I have a responsibility to comply with every instruction in obedience in order to partake of it. We must suspend our sense knowledge. There are many people who have left churches Over the years, I've been in church life for almost five decades and I've seen this happen over and over and over again. Not only in this country, not only in Africa, not even in America where I've had privilege to also have church for a few years. And I have found that every time the people do not understand what God is doing and they detach themselves from the koinonia that God has planned for them, many times things go downhill. Many times things don't go right. And I understand that there are times for people to lay hold of new things, go on to new assignments and so on. But I'm always very cautious to tell brethren that you know what you do for yourself is to stay connected to the place God has planted you at any point in time. There are some things that you benefit that do not immediately appear. That's exactly what he's doing. But you see many times it doesn't look it. I humbly say, the way we are today and where we are today does not look like where God wants to take us. And I know that, but you know, it can be easily despised. It can be easily despised. Many people can look today and say, those people, is that church, they talk, talk, talk big. <laughs> it's not that they talk, talk, talk big. There is a place God is taking them to. Hallelujah. God is taking them to their river Jordan. And is cleansing of every leprosy for as many that need to be healed in this healing pool. I said the healings will continue to take place. In the name of Jesus. I can give you stories. I just gave you that one just for you to understand. That anytime God says to you, this is the instruction. Many times the instruction comes through the servant of God. And people easily despise vessels that they do not No, are carrying the instructions that God wants for them. It's very easy to despise. He said, I thought he would come in here and wave his hand. Which kind of prophet is he? But God, thank God for the servant. The Bible says in verse 13, And his servant came near and spoke to him. Let's go back to verse 13. 2 Kings 5, thank you. Came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean. You know, there are many people who despise when you don't do the seeming spectacular. If you don't come and begin to do something that looks like gymnastics. Many people don't believe. When you say, hear the word of the Lord, you are healed. They say, is that all? They say, which kind of pastor is that one? I expected him to say, I malito him heal. <laughs> Because that is what they know. But you see, it is foolishness. (laughs) Say, which kind of pastor is that? I've been praying with many people in ministry for over 20 years. They come, they say, Pastor, this is what happened, this problem. You hold their hand, you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe you for this deliverance, and we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And they are still there with their hand like that. They said, Pastor, is that it? That is it. What else do you want? You want me to start causing you? <laughs> I have blessed you. I have told you you are healed. I believe in my heart you are healed. What more do you want me to say? To dance for you? <laughs> I don't need to do a show for you to convince you that you are healed. I just need to declare the word of the Lord. The Bible says, if he had asked you to do something, wouldn't you go? Let's read verse 14. So he went down. And dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Your obedience will lead to your deliverance. I say you will not disobey God. You will not disobey godly instructions in the mighty name of Jesus. That was the third thing. Rejection of grace. The first thing was what? Pride and arrogance. Arrogance. The second thing was what? Carnality. The third thing is rejection of grace. Many people are hindered when they reject grace. The grace of God for salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is one of the free most, it's in fact the most is the freest gift that is available today. But yet it is the most despised. Grace is by which we have been saved through faith. And many people are not saved today because they think it cannot just be that God can just ask us to believe his son and receive deliverance. Grace is rejected many times and many people have lost their healing and their salvation. May the Lord help us to continue to embrace grace in the name of Jesus. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 5, as I start to bring this to a close, he said, Chapter 1 says verse 1 says Paul a bond servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God so it's say called to, Call to be an apostle so there is a calling upon your life but what Paul and my life but what Paul is saying is in verse 5 he said through him through Jesus Christ we have received what grace and apostleship for what Read it, it's on your screen. Verse 5. You don't have verse 5? Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Thank you. Let's read together. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Through Christ we will continue to receive grace and apostleship in the mighty name of Jesus. Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, he said, you don't need to be looking to do sacrifice, to do religion, just obey. Just obey. Tell your neighbor for me, "Just just obey. The secret in life to success is obedience. One of the things why I find life most fulfilling today, despite the huge challenges that I face on a regular basis, in the things that I'm involved in, including ministry, Is because I am in strict obedience to the one who called me. And I want to leave that with you as a charge, friends and brethren. If you are in place of obedience, your stability is always guaranteed. Your supply is always assured. The things that threaten people will not threaten you. The things that make life difficult for people will not make life difficult for you. Because you are in a place of obedience. So Samuel said, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. May we continue to be obedient people in the mighty name of Jesus. Obedience is required to enjoy God's divine help and prosperity. Job chapter 36. Job chapter 36 verse 5. He said, Behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty in strength and in understanding. Verse 10. He also opens their ear to what? Instruction and commands that they turn from iniquity. Touch your ears physically. Say, Lord, continue to open my ears. As I touch my physical ears, help my spirit, spiritual ears to continually be opened. To receive instruction, to hear instruction, and to obey instruction in the name of Jesus. Now look at what he said will happen when you do that in verse 11. Let's shout it out together. Verse 11, verse 11. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. May God give you a fresh heart of obedience today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever the Lord says to you to do, just do it. Don't hesitate. Don't waste time. The prayer of divine intervention and divine help you are praying is tied to you obeying a set of instructions. I know we are living in a dispensation of grace, but go through the entire scriptures. Everyone who came to Jesus was given an instruction to follow in order to continue to comply. Everyone, everyone. May you and I continue to obey divine instructions. I say may we obey divine instructions. And may we continue to receive divine help. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'd like you to rise to your feet as we commit these words to God's hand.